the privilege and the honor of having a missionary guest. And, and some of you may know uh, Mike as he's from what was First Assembly, now Abundant Life, and Hibbing, and, and been there most of his life. But he's serving overseas in Cambodia. And so we're just excited he's going to be with us this morning as well as this evening. And so uh, with no further ado, uh, Mike, would you come up? Translation? Hi. <laughs> yes. So, last time I was here was before I went as an associate to Cambodia. So, uh, was anybody here when I spoke last time? Okay, well, I might repeat myself, and then I'll probably repeat myself this evening as well. They say you need to hear something eight times before it actually sinks in. So, I will do just that. As an associate, uh, the story is that I was working at the uh, church over in Hibbing, and Pastor Dave Oler at the time comes into Caribou because I was bivocational. He says, hey, I want you to go on this trip to Cambodia. So I'm like, okay, my pastor said so. Little hint, if your pastor tells you to do something, do it. It's a good thing. So I go to Cambodia uh, for that short-term trip, but being that I had not planned to go, I knew nothing about Cambodia. Uh, I thought I might be going to Africa. It is actually in Southeast Asia, and through that experience I got to know a little bit more about who they are, and so you know more than I did. I have a little video that I'd like to show.
honor and privilege to get to know these people through such outreaches as our coffee shop and our Bible school in the capital city of Belfast. to say that it is an absolute joy to be with you here again. You are one of my supporting churches, and you were with me in everything that I did as a missionary associate. So every story that I get to tell today is because of what you have done. So everything I do is a hand of this church. I don't say I disconnect myself from the American church to serve the Cambodian church. I go as a part of the American church, a hand of the body. So what I get to do, I do because of what you have done. So thank you, first and foremost. In the video, it said that I had the opportunity to work with our Bible school and a coffee shop ministry in the capital. In that, I was all over the country. We did a lot of traveling, and so I went all the way to the north provinces and down to the coast, and it was wonderful. And I had many wonderful conversations with, as the video said, 70% under the age of 35, so a lot of young people. So I had many wonderful conversations with the young people of Cambodia. And when I had these conversations, what I would hear over and over and over again is, do they hear about us? Do they know about us? Do they know who we are? This is what the Cambodians would ask me. Do they know about us? Do they hear about us? Because they feel voiceless. As it said in the video, they're screaming out for identity in this modern world. And so I am completely humbled today to get to speak on their behalf. Now, when you first go as an associate, I love the Assemblies of God because what they really value is training. And they trained the missionaries very well. Uh, when I was first there, we go through an orientation program. And you learn not only that things are different and what's going to be different, but then they go to a deeper level of why. So one of those areas, what I first experienced when I got there, that was just right there in front of me. Before you would enter in a public building or, say, a church, you would take off your shoes. Did anybody else take off their shoes today? I still have mine on. Right? Okay, because that's not what we do. But in Cambodia, there would be piles of shoes outside of these buildings. So, okay, knowing that uh, I should take off my shoes, I would go into the building and take off whatever shoes I was wearing that day, usually sandals of some sort. And you would be in the program, and, but your shoes would be outside. One day, I went back outside, and I looked, and then I looked some more. I couldn't find my shoes. Okay, so am I missing something? What's going on here? 
thankfully, by that time, I had made some Cambodian friends, so they enlightened me. When you have the piles of shoes out there, it is not uncommon for somebody to say, hey, I need to run to the market, and okay, there's shoes there. It's not stealing, it's just a necessity of the errand. They need shoes, so they're going to go to the market. Just wait five minutes, your shoes will come back. So, that is the surface level of learning, but then the Assemblies of God takes you to a deeper level. So you get to learn that it's about respect. You learn that feet are considered unholy in Cambodia. And so it's a sign of respect and honor to take your shoes off. So that's the deeper level. Another one of those areas is we, in America, are a logic kind of based culture. We are from the Germanic style of thinking. So we have topics. Think in school. You had your topic of English, then you had your topic of uh, math and science, whatever. And then underneath one of those, you'd have your subtopics and so forth and so on. In Cambodia, how they transfer knowledge from one generation to the next is they tell stories. So today, I have a few stories that I'm going to tell. But being that we are in America, I have my three-point sermon. When I get to my third point, we'll be done. Just a little encouragement. It will happen. And my three points are who they were, who they are, and who they will be. So, first point, who they were. If you want to throw up that first picture. This is, uh, well, we'll get there eventually. Uh, it is a picture, no worries. Uh, the last uh, kind of moment on the video was an image of two statues. And that image is significant. Because these two are in the image of Vishnu. Vishnu is Hindu. Cambodia, as it said in the, in the video, is Buddhist. But out of Hinduism, you get Buddhism. It's one of the reincarnations of Vishnu, apparently, is Buddha. So, these two, standing in this very distinct pose, would be recognized as a deity. But then looking at it closer, you realize that they are not just in the image of Vishnu, but they are dressed in an ancient Cambodian garb as warriors. Why? Because Cambodia was the Angkor Empire. So you have the South Peninsula of Asia, uh, so you have Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia. Like I said, I didn't know where I was going, that's where I was going. In between Vietnam and Cambodia, or Thailand, is Cambodia. But it wasn't always that way. Cambodia was the Angkor Empire. They were massive. They were huge. They had control of that whole peninsula. And in that, their understanding of engineering was so vast that they built these city temple complexes called Angkor. So Angkor Wat is one of the main reasons that people visit Cambodia today. Anybody here of Angkor Wat? Okay, good, I get to educate you. So, about a thousand years ago, uh, because Cambodia was so amazing in their understanding and the civilization was massive, they built these city temple complexes that are still, some of them, standing today. They had uh, such a significance that they are on the Cambodian flag. There's even a carving on uh, the back table with my stuff, so come talk to me, come see the carving. And 
they recognized this as this was their influence, their voice. They had this capability of understanding how these massive stones came together and how the water worked and all these things came together. So they were the largest metropolis of their age. So we're talking in the same time as Rome. We were talking at uh, the same time as London. These places existed, but it was the largest metropolis. It was the most influential city of its age. And we haven't even heard of it. This is who they were. They were a world power. On to point two, or already in point two. Who they are. For who they are, you have to go back about 50, 60 years, actually maybe 70 years now, to, uh, let's go back to after World War II. France had claim of that area, gave up its claim. Uh, then you had the power vacuum and you had different factions vying for power. That goes on for a while. In the 70s, those that were around would recognize the terms the Khmer Rouge. Anybody heard that term before? Okay, the Khmer Rouge and the Killing Fields. So, the different powers vying at that time, and then you have the Civil War going on at the same time as the Vietnam War. After America left Saigon, they also, that same month, had left the capital city of Cambodia, Phnom Penh. After that happened, the Khmer Rouge came over and they took over the rest of the country. Now that is significant because they were led by a man called Pol Pot. For a lack of a better term, he was just plain evil. He became paranoid, so anybody that opposed him, he had them killed. Anybody that had ties to the West, he had you killed. Anybody that spoke two languages, you were killed. Anybody that was educated was killed. To the point that even if you wore glasses, he had you killed. So you hear about these things. And as a foreign community, we are moved. And I think that is good, that we are empathetic, that we feel for people that are going through atrocities. Well, the Khmer Rouge ended and then they had another decade of civil war. And after that war, the UN came in, in the early 90s and set up an election. And at the same time, the Assemblies of God were invited in. We are invited in as an NGO, non-government organization for humanitarian aid. And so at this time, billions of dollars started to be, uh, infil not infiltrated, but has gone through the country. And as good as that is, Cambodian people heard a few different things, distinct things, through our efforts. You're poor, you're broken, you have nothing to give this world. And that's just how they saw it, and that's who they believe they are. Because I don't tell the, uh, the story of Cambodia's history for the sensationalism. It is atrocity, it is horrible, but I tell it because it has a very very large part of who they believe they are. After I went as associate, I came back and I applied to be a fully appointed missionary. Uh, so with that process, it is quite an intensive uh, vetting process, I say, because the Assemblies of God is very careful about who they give their stamp of approval to. And so I go through this process and I go through the ringer. It's a great time. You learn a lot about yourself. And then 
at the other side, it's just like, oh, wow, thank you, Jesus, that I'm on the other side. And my dad, having watched me go through this process, being the proud parent, posted on Facebook, yay, my son, the missionary, woo! And, okay, so that's all good. Then one of my Cambodian friends saw it, and he replied on, the, uh, on Facebook, he said, a great man to help a poor people. So I saw that, and I recognized that is who they believe they are. So I knew I had to reply. I can't just let that go. So I looked at it. He called me a great man. Now the story is always, or the question is always asked, how do you go from hitting Minnesota to Cambodia? It's not the most average journey, is it? No. Uh, it's really, it's God's story. Which this evening, little plug, I'm going to talk about God's story. So make sure you come again. So, it is God's story. He spoke into my life. I was just willing and available, but then he is able to do the extraordinary out of what is ordinary. So I availed myself. As we sang this morning, God, lead me where my feet have to go where I do not know <laughs> what's going to happen. I have to trust you. Trust beyond borders. Meaning, I don't have my security system. We sing that. It is a dangerous, dangerous song to sing. I'm glad that you guys did. Because that was my heart. God, wherever you would lead me, I will follow. And it, the year was 2010. I'll always remember it. Because Pastor Dave Oler at the time was preaching on 2010 vision. 2020 is perfect. 2010 is better than perfect. And that is God's vision for our life. So, I believe every person in here has a calling on their life. God has burdened you with something. Pastor Dave then went on to teach that out of this burden is vision. So start to cultivate that burden. Ask God, God, what is this on my heart? Who are the people you are leading me to? Because out of this burden, he'll give you vision and say, this is what I called you to. So my burden was for those that were broken, for those that were searching for their identity. And then God brings me to Cambodia. So that's why I say to edify, to serve, to love. It's not about me. It's not about my voice being edified. It's about the Cambodian voice being edified. Because that is who they believe they are. Which finally brings me to uh, our passage for today. If you have your Bibles, look up Isaiah 61. The history of this verse in myself has uh, a little bit of meaning. So while you're looking it up, I'll give you the story. Before I went as an associate, I had read this verse, and God was clearly speaking to me, saying, hey, this is you. But as fellow Iron Rangers, you know we're not supposed to think too much of ourselves, right? And so I was like, nope, too much. That is uh, a big calling. Why? Because Isaiah 61 is what is known as the Messiah's mandate. So who is the Messiah? Jesus. Whose mandate is this? Jesus. Who am I? Mike. I'm not Jesus. Too much. So I kind of I had that dialogue with God. And then I started to internalize a little bit more, and God revealed to me something very significant and important for me and for you. Who is Christ's body? We are. So who is Christ here on earth now? We are. Whose mandate is this? This is our mandate. This is what we 
are to do. So, Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. So the Sovereign Lord is on me, but why? It's so that I pour myself out for them. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you, for them. We don't come here so that we can feel good about ourselves, so that we can be poured into and then just go on along our day, hoping that we're going to survive. No, we come here so that we can be poured into, so that then we can in turn go and pour ourselves out for them. In verse 2 it says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Now that seems like an oxymoron. It doesn't seem like it should go together. The day of vengeance to comfort. So that jarred me for a while until you read it in context and do a little study. You find out that this is an image of Jesus coming back as a victor over sin and death. So that is the day of vengeance of our God, having conquered, coming back for me, which is a comfort. That I do not need to be perfect. Now this message is important for the people of Cambodia because they are Buddhists. In the Buddhist mindset, there's a wheel of life called samsara, birth and rebirth, over and over and over again until you can earn enough good to reborn, be reborn into a better life and continuing and continuing and continuing until you've done enough good that you can escape this life into absolute nothingness called nirvana. So the Cambodians look at this and they know they can never be good enough. We know that we can never be good enough, right? That's why Jesus had to come, because he was perfect so that we don't have to rely on our self-work. He paved the way so that we then can look to him. And that is a message of hope for the Cambodian people. They no longer have to strive in this cycle of life and death and rebirth but they have a God who loves them and wants a relationship with them and has paved the way so that they don't have to struggle anymore in perfectionism. So that comforts all who mourn. Verse 3, And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of a spirit of despair, the oil of joy over people that went through genocide so that they can praise and worship in the abundance of their identity and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Why? Because here there's a distinct change in pronoun use. Up until this point, we've been talking about me. God has appointed me to do this. God has appointed you. But here it changes pronoun to they. And it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So who are they? Because they are the ones that are going to be God's splendor. Oaks of righteousness, something stalwart, something powerful, and a display of who God is and his heart. So they, in context, once again, are those that were poor, that were broken, that were captive, were prisoners, have now been set free and given the identity and abundance of who Christ is. So that they... In verse 4, my main verse over this season, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They 
will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And that is a message of hope. But it's the same for the Iron Range. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has anointed you so that you can pour yourself out for them. They aren't necessarily the ones that we want to identify with sometimes. They're the people that will cross to the other side of the road to avoid. But God has called you. He's put a burden on your heart. Open your eyes to God's heart. Let him show you what he wants to show you. And he will lead you into the dangerous places. But I have to say, from personal experience, I am so grateful and so amazed at where God has brought me. That's why I say it is a privilege that I get to serve the way that I get to. People look at Cambodia and like, oh, God bless you for going to such a hard area. But no, I am so honored because God has given me his purpose and his heart for the people of Cambodia. So a quick story of how I got to see this happen. I don't say this once again to make anything of myself. You know my history. A lot of you saw me as a baby. You know I'm nothing special. So it's not about me. It's about who God is and his heart for us and for the people of this world. When I was in Cambodia, uh, I knew that I was searching out to see if this was for just a season or long term. And I also knew that I wanted to see this verse worked out that it was my job to pour myself out for them so that they will rebuild their city. And so asking God, okay, where is my spot in all of this? What have you called me to? And so I see this happening and I have these wonderful students at Bible school and I poured my life into theirs. And every year we have this thing called practicum where we send our students out to do ministry for themselves. And so we break them up into teams and we send them out but what I didn't know is that we as the administration were also being assigned. And so I didn't know where I was going or which group I was assigned to, but they sent me out and I go there and it's wonderful. Uh, do we have the pictures? Okay, so we end up in this village and I get to see my students doing a VBS, a vacation Bible school, where they play games and sing songs and minister to a village. And it's wonderful. Afterwards, we take them out to dinner and then we leave. After we left, one of the veteran missionaries pulled me aside and he said, hey, do you realize what just happened? Now, being new, I thought I did something stupid because new people, yes, as in any circumstance, you're not going to get everything right all the time. And so I thought this was a reprimand. He said, no, 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 don't worry. You didn't do anything wrong. But while we were there in the village, an elder pulled him aside and said the night before she had a dream. She had a dream of a foreigner that was coming to help Cambodia. Then out of everybody that was there, she pointed at me and she said, that's the man for my dream. So I know that I'm called to go. But now when I go, I get to tell them, yes, they have heard about you. They know about you because I got to tell them about you. So I tell you now about a couple of our students, Sopek Tra and Jiwan, a couple of our students that have now graduated and are striving to go out and build churches in the unreached areas of Cambodia. 96% Buddhist, maybe 1% Christian, means millions of Cambodians will never even meet a Christian in their entire lifetime. Imagine that, living your whole life and never even meeting a Christian. So these students go out, please pray for them as they go out. And then pray for me as I get to disciple and pour myself out for them. So 
that they can reach the unreached areas of Cambodia. Because as I said in the video, it is only together, as you pray for the Buddhist world, it's only together that we will see the rebuilding of the ancient kingdom of wonder. Thank you.